Good morning. Happy Father's Day. Happy Father's Day. Thank you. Happy Father's Day. Let's get let's uh, let's begin this morning. If you want to stand together. Must start us out in Psalms, uh, Psalms 19. Psalms 19, the heavens declare the glory of God and the sky displays his handiwork. Day after day, it speaks out. Night after night, it reveals his greatness. There is no actual speech or word, nor is its literal voice heard. Yet its voice echoes throughout the earth, its words carry to the distant horizon. In the sky, he has pitched a tent like the sun. And like a bridegroom, it emerges from its chamber. Like a strong man, it enjoys running its course. It emerges from the distant horizon and goes forth from one end of the sky to the other. Nothing can escape its heat. The law of the Lord is perfect and preserves one's life. The rules set down by the Lord are reliable and impart wisdom to the inexperienced. The Lord's precepts are fair and they make one joyful. The Lord's commands are pure and they give insight for life. The commands to fear the Lord are right and they endure forever. The judgments given by the Lord are trustworthy and they're absolutely just. They're greater value than gold. They're even, even a great amount of pure gold. They bring together delight, more delight than honey does, even more sweet honey than from the honeycomb. Yes, your servant finds moral guidance there. Those who obey them receive a rich reward. Who can know all his errors? Please do not punish me for sins I am unaware of. Moreover, keep me from committing flagrant sins. Do not allow such sins to control me. Then I will be blameless and innocent of blatant rebellion. May my words and my thoughts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord. Not just our words, folks, but also our thoughts, that they would be acceptable in the sight of the Lord. And he says this, he says, listen, he says, oh Lord, you're my sheltering rock and my redeemer. Amen.
heavens declare heavens declare heavens declare your majesty the trees sway and bow down to your kingship to your authority and how the rivers move to the sound of your heart and how the ocean swells and rises to sing worship to your name oh we join with creation the song oh we song worthy is the name worthy is the name holy is the name the king oh majesty oh send your judgments god send your justice god come and restore Come and restore, come and restore. We love your judgments, God. We love your justice, God. Come and restore, come and restore. The song of our mouths, the song of our hearts. So we can sing back to you what you're singing back to us. Oh, make us the moon. To reflect the shining of the sun, make us the moon. Oh, to reflect the shining of the sun. Oh, capture us again. Capture us again with the love you always give.
We want the jagged peaks and the kind meadows. We want all of you. We want all of you. We want your mercy. We want your judgment, God. We want your holiness. We want all of you. Oh, we want all of you. We want all of you, not just our ideas of you.
I want you to take your left hand, put it on the back of your head like this, and say something with me. I have the mind of Christ. Break all the barriers. We have the mind of Christ. Bring healing, Lord, to our minds. Oh, open our eyes that we may behold the beauty, the beauty of who you are. I want to see you, Lord. I want to behold you, Lord. Oh, in my mind. And reveal my heart. Open up my mind to hold you. I want to behold your image, Lord. I want to be like you. Bring healing, Lord. Healing in the mind. To have the mind of Christ. To have your mind, Lord. I want your mind. I want to think like you do. Radiate your love and know you. Give yourself a hug.
Then Moses went up the mountain. The cloud covered the mountain. The glory of the Lord came down on Mount Sinai.
Elijah when he had the cloak up beneath up against his eyes and before that you'll see Moses hidden in the cleft of the rock the characterization of the end of the age end of the age is upon us now will not be as it was in the days of Sinai and Horeb many of us like a minute ago like when the word every time the word comes you'll always feel what precedes him is vacancy. And in the vacancy, what we want to encourage you in and what we are being encouraged in by Holy Spirit when everything feels empty and left high and dry, know that God is probably more near than he's been. God is light, but he is shrouded in darkness. And it can throw off our physical senses. It can make us feel out of control. That's why we're here at the Why Am I? So that we would know that all our existence is to be found in Him. And He's drawing us. So when He comes and the vacancy hits you, you can feel like aloneness. It can make you feel like no one cares. tell you God I've come to know the God that's in the vacancy in Proverbs 31 25 it says she laughs at calamity to come I can't make sense of it Lord my metaphysical reality won't uphold me here. All my concepts that I've had, even my emotions, they're trying to tell me something different, that you're not real, that you don't exist. But I will laugh at the calamity to come. The great end time move of God is this rejoicing sons and daughters in the middle of the end of the age. When the Antichrist system rises to power and we, the sons and daughters, seated in heavenly places in Christ, oh, for the joy that was set before him. Yeah, he despised the shame. Yeah, so shall we. But all for the joy. The great union of the ages, God and man. So what I say to you, the people told Moses, like, you go up there 
and speak for us. But not in this age. Not in the age you're in. No, we the church, the ecclesia, we the ones who are caught up and called out by him. Yes, we. We will not tell a Moses figure, go up and speak on our behalf. No. No, in this hour, God will have all of us drawn up. I say to you, charge into the darkness. Charge into the darkness. Run into his arms, the everlasting arms of a Savior. Joy unspeakable and full of glory. No fear in love. The greatest lover, he's wooing us, he's drawing on us. Everything that hinders love is being removed. The great sanctification, and yea, for a glorified humanity is upon us. Run, I say to you, run into his arms. Engage with this God. Oh, we want you, Lord. Yeah, I'm running, and you're drawing me, and I want you more than my own life. Oh, behold the Lamb who takes the sins away. Oh, bringing about a purified and a clean conscience in man. A clear conscience.
137 by the rivers of Babylon we sat down and wept when we remembered Zion on the poplars in her midst we hung our hearts for our captors asked us compose us songs those who mock us demand that we be happy saying Sing for us a song about Zion. They said, how can we sing a song to the Lord in a foreign land? Listen. May my tongue stick to the roof of its mouth. If I do not remember you. Oh, may my tongue stick to the top of the roof of my mouth. 
I forget about Zion. And if I don't give Jerusalem priority in my heart, over what gives me the greatest joy. Remember, oh Lord, what the Edomites said and did on the day Jerusalem fell. They said, tear it down, tear it down right to its very foundation. Old daughter of Babylon, (laughs) you're soon to be devastated. How blessed will be the one who repays you for what you've dished out on us. How blessed be will be the one who grabs your babies and smashes them on a rock. Why? Why? Why would they say something like that? Because this place, this place in God, this place of Zion, this place has been foreign to the living God, the living church. Oh, welcome to a Zion coming near you. The people of God. Not just Moses and Elijah. The great transfiguration comes out of the song of Zion. This is what we want. This is what we long for. We want to advance to Zion. The shelter of the Most High. Where you tabernacle with us, Lord. Oh, the most holy place. Through the altar of incense. Through the great consecration movement of night and day prayer. To another dimensional place, Lord. We long for your kabod. We want your Shekinah. We want your light to shine down on us. We want this city to be a light. We want to agree with what you say out of the heavens. Let light, let light shine and break forth. We'll let them see a different characterization of your called out people. Not some subculture anymore. All the glorious sons and daughters, the royal family coming forth. Bring forth your family, Lord. Your great expanded family, Lord. In this nation, Lord. Open this eastern gate and flood this nation with your glory, Lord. Let light come down. Because you got a people who run into the darkness. A city set on a hill that cannot be hid. For the Lord delights in us. He delights in us. He's a great, the great majestic one. And we delight in you, Father. Tether us up into the heavens, Lord.
Amen. Therefore, if you have been raised with Christ, keep seeking the things that are above. Listen, above where Christ is. We've been raised with Christ, therefore, right? Keep seeking. Seek, knock, ask. Seek, knock, ask. Seek, knock, ask. Seek, knock, ask. Don't stop. Don't stop. Don't stop. Pursue, pursue, pursue. Hunger. Hunger. Those that hunger, right, and thirst. What? It'll be feel. The promise of the Lord, if you seek, knock, and ask, he'll come. A lot of people and, and a lot in, in a lot of ministries, and, and we embrace the sovereignty of God in all things. But listen, homologeo, the Lord delights when we say the same thing he's saying. And we say back to him what he says to us. You see, and in that, it fulfills the heart of the Father. Because daddies like their children to say what they say. Yeah. Especially when it comes from the Lord. 
Repeat back to me, right? Say what I say. I like when you repeat me, son, right? Father, our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. What? Therefore, if you have been raised with Christ, we've been taken up into the heavens. Keep seeking the things of the Lord and don't give up. Don't back off. Don't let go. It woke me up with that this morning, Colossians 3. Keep thinking about the things above. Keep thinking about the objective proof of an unseen reality. Hebrews chapter 11. The faith is the title deed hope for this, the objective proof of an unseen reality. Is heaven objective? Yes. Heaven is not subjective. The greatest objective proof is in the heavens first. Why would he tell us in Colossians 3? Seek the heavens. Seek where Christ is in and above, and heaven will come to earth. Why? Because it's objectively true. Heaven is true. Heaven is real. Heaven, we, heaven is real. I think a book came out about that, right? Heaven is more real. We must apprehend the heavens, engage with the heavens. He said, do this. Why? Listen to, listen to, the, listen to the apostle. For you have died. Listen, if you try to live to this world, you have not died. You put to deed the mortal things, the things of this flesh. It will keep you from apprehending the things of heaven. In the end of this age, it'll be harder for you not to walk in faith than it will be. It'll be harder for you to not walk in faith than it will be for you to walk in faith. I don't know if some of you found that out, but our family found it out. It's because once the Lord gets his hand on you and your enemy knows it, you're like a uh, bullseye to him because he knows you're the Lord's. And so you have to get centered up on the Lord. You have to get your eyes on him because if you don't, your enemy who's a roaring lion will seek to come and devour you to take you out. And he's on the left side and he's on the right. And he's, he's, a, he's a liberal and he's a legal. God, the express wisdom of God is in the man Jesus Christ. Our eyes must be fixed on the Lord. This will propel you in the end of the age. Otherwise, if you move into the things of this world and you take up your own life, you'll be back into what this world offers. And the objective proof of an unseen reality will not be clear to you. So people, God doesn't speak to me. I'm like, is your life, are you losing your life for his sake in the gospel? If you are, you will see clearly that he is speaking to you. But if you take up your own life, you will miss the objective proof of heaven that will bring the title deed. What is that? The heavenly reality brought into this dimensional realm. We want to see a translation of heaven to earth in our families. In this ministry, in our families, translate heaven to earth. How? Again, don't pick up your own life. Lose your life for Christ's sake and the gospel. What is the gospel? I shared this with you last week. Faith, adversity, rest, expansion. Jesus paid for your faith. He paid for your adversity that you'll go through from moving in faith. He paid for the rest that you'll come into and the expansion on your life, the movement of heaven to earth. The world system gets toil, anxiety, resentment, and emptiness, a tear. And you know what Jesus says. He will throw the tares into the what? The fire. And they will be burned up with unquenchable heat. Why? 
Because that is not the component of his gospel. So let us turn our eyes and fix our eyes on Jesus. Put to death whatever's in your nature that belongs to the earth. What? It's the emphasis here. You must put to death. By partnering with the grace of God that is operating in your life when the Holy Spirit moves on your consciousness and says, repent, return, and be restored. Don't resist Holy Spirit when he comes on you. And if you feel high and dry, turn your eyes back towards the Lord. From whence cometh your help, your help comes from who? Maker of heaven and earth. Amen. That's just a little warm you up. All right. I just got excited. Um, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. <laughs> yes, Father. Amazing today. I was like, Lord, I want to get through the triple entendre right off the bat. You know, if, if you're not familiar with this language, Lord said, I want to have a triple entendre. I want to deal with the what, the who, and the why. Because I am. You hear me? I am, he says. So many people are defined by what's, and if they're not defined by what's in their doing, they're defined by who's in their being. And if they're not defined by who's in their being, they get down to the great philosophy of the ages, why do I exist? There's different philosophy surrounding the why. Lots of different philosophy. Listen, God, I am, is on the other side of the why, of the, philosoph the great philosophical movements. Are there brilliant philosophers? Yes. But he's on the other side of all of that. He's beyond that. He's beyond the triple entendre. He's in the parochoresis. You know this word? It's Greek for the divine dance. The Lord wants to dance with the church. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, divine union of love. And we're engaged in the divine dance of God. When your soul spins up, when your soul... You, you had to feel him with me this morning. Yeah. Ah! That's what this word collider means. It has two, it's like a double meaning. It's a collision of heaven and earth like Zion, but it's the perichoresis. The collider is the spinning up in the divine dance and union with God, the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit. This is the collision force. This is, and when this collision begins to ignite inside us globally. It will accelerate this movement in the end of this age towards a man, the man Christ Jesus, Acts 3.21, 3.2.1, blast off. Acts 3.21, Jesus is retained in the heavens until the restoration of all things. This parachoresis, this divine dance, accelerates the human heart into the Godhead. We find our union in Christ. Our sanctification is realized. Yea, unto a glorified man. And boom, when the restoration of all things comes, what happens? He splits the eastern sky because the Father sees the expanded family restored. <laughs> Raise up the end time movement, Lord. Raise up the royal family, Lord. Ah! I want all the brothers and sisters 
all the brothers and sisters from every nation, tribe, and tongue that would give glory to the man Jesus Christ and would not resist him anymore, that he is the divine monarch and the divine sovereign of the ages and deserves the right for his kingly rule to govern this entire planet and the whole cosmos. Yeah. Yes, he is king, yeah. right? We don't just take him as a savior. We take him as Lord over all things because we don't want to be Matthew 7. And as many will come to me on that day and say, Lord, he says, hey, look, you know, I don't even know. You have no relationship with lordship with you. Let us not be characterized by those kind of people. He bought you, purchased you with a price, Romans 12, right? Is that, am I right? You're not your own. People don't like that, especially in an entitlement culture and an exceptional culture. Hey, you're not your own. You have been bought with a price. Yeah, we, we submit our full entire self to this man, Jesus, right? Can I get an amen on that? Amen. All right, live it every day. Every day. I want you in charge. I want you in control. I'm going to let you have everything. Every day, a greater submission to the Lord. Let's take an offering this morning and let me pray over you. If you give online, we PayPal, it's info at OOMZ, which stands for orderofmelchizedek.org. Or Venmo is at Clasternot. If you make out checks, it's OOMZ. And Lord, I just bless this house. I bless this work. Oh, man, it's a... Oh, man, you're moving, Lord. Their great advanced design is happening. Raise up the global movement, Lord, out of this house and other houses all over the planet. Lord, the houses that are your transitional house for the great millennial transition of the ages. I pray for all the transformational ministries. I pray for all our brothers and sisters, Lord. Raise up this global family, Lord. In the name of Jesus, bless you as you give. Amen.
I mean, I'd like for you to turn with me also into Colossians 3, and we'll start with verse 12. As many of you know, a few weeks ago, we were in Luke chapter 4, and we were progressing through the gospel of Luke, and I get apprehended by the Lord, and he says, listen, I need you to take a time out in your chronological path, and I need you to take a parenthetical. Uh, Any of you ever have parentheticals? What what I mean by that, many of you that have friends or are married uh, with your friends, you know, your families, a lot of times we'll experience something together and then we'll take time and we'll go and we'll talk about it. Uh, Sometimes we need that to be healthy, to move to the next place. You know what I mean, right? Parentheticals are just as important as chronological events in your life. Uh, they're very important to the Holy Spirit. One thing I've learned knowing Holy Spirit or getting to be known by Him and knowing Him is He's very interested in seeing that. Do you understand? And this thing I was mentioning earlier about homo legeo, when you understand something, you say it back to Him, and the Holy Spirit says, oh, they said back to me what I'm communicating to them. They understand, therefore, let's move to the next glory. Remember how scripture says line upon line, what precept upon precept, there's a little bit here and a little bit there, or from glory to glory. Holy Spirit works like this in your life, in your sanctification. You go through a series of events chronologically. Then there's a timeout, parenthetically. And then the picture picks up. Now, um, thank you, Melinda, because one time we were talking about this and she shared with me this really helped her a lot because... A lot of times when the Lord begins a parenthetical in your life, you can feel like he's not moving anymore. Is that, isn't that what you share with me? Or you've done something wrong, right? I think you said that. And that is really helpful for me, for Melinda, to give me some feedback on chronological and parenthetical. Because many of us, we just like to get along with things and get going. And then we're like, and I don't know if you'll notice this, but sometimes like, in your life, put the brakes on, time out. I need some time to reflect. And I think, you know, I'm, I'm married to Kara, and this is something we have to do a lot. Um, I'm kind of like, let's go. <laughs> parenthetical, time out. No, I want to go. No, parenthetical, time out. I'm like, honey, how many times, you know, and I'm more into the parenthetical sometimes than she is. She's like, uh, hey, do you know what time it is? <laughs> do you know we got to get to this thing next? I'm like, yes. And I'm like, oh, I was caught up in the parenthetical. Oh, but we still have to be in the chronological. Another way to say this is time and space. And when God, and I, and I said this a number of weeks ago, when the Lord began to intervene, he didn't primarily intervene into our dimension of space. He intervenes in our dimension of time. The first dimension God comes into in your life is time. It's not primarily space. That's why you'll hear things like this. Well, we're in a church without walls. Or, hey, we're the called up ones. Why? Because we recognize that space isn't necessarily where the primary feature of where God comes to occupy first. He comes to occupy time dimensionally. Why? Time is the fourth dimension. God is light from, and he comes through a fifth dimension, which is light. So God, outside of the dimensions, will come down through the dimensions, through light, into time first. 
That's why we're taking a parenthetical, which is based in time. Now, for me, I want to get on with the gospel of Luke. Because I was given an assignment, preach the gospel of Luke. And I'm like, oh, man, we have to take a time out. But some of us need some understanding right now. And the Holy Spirit's like, I want a parenthetical. And so that started two weeks ago. And I, I wanted to help you with something this morning. I, Austin has been helping me. Austin Harris has been helping me with this. Hey, Carol, I'd really like to see the collider services get put up on podcasting instead of on the Google Drive so it would be more accessible for people. And I want to tell you now, if you, if you engage with the podcasting, either in iTunes or SoundCloud, the podcasting title is Galactic Progeny. It just basically means, progeny means son or daughter, and galactic means outer space or, you know, from the heavens. And there's a podcast you can listen to if you miss one of our events and you're like, what's going on? I want to encourage you to go listen to it. Henry takes care of the recording on these and gets them out really quick. Now they're going to go up on podcasting so they're readily accessible to you in SoundCloud or iTunes. And, and the reason why I'm bringing this out is, first of all, I want you to engage with that if you would like to. Go in there, and this will help this message get out more. Like it, and make a comment um, positively, hopefully. You know, but, you know. <laughs> I don't like that place. Okay, well, whatever. You know. So far, we've got really good feedback. But, but I, I, uh, the podcasting right now is in, I think it's over 70-something nations. Um, I was really surprised. It's reaching the whole world right now. And so what's happening in this room now is readily accessible. Like, I think Tunisia this last week and um, Taiwan and, there, and Singapore. I mean, it's, 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 it's getting out all over the place. What we're doing in this room is really amazing. Um, what's going on with that? And I encourage you to go into your phone if you have a smartphone. Go in there. Get in Galactic Progeny. Go into your iTunes or your SoundCloud and and uh, follow it. Uh, yes, Austin. Oh, it does? Really? iHeartRadio and what? Pocket Cast. In, in there, when you get into that whole thing, um, the last couple of sermons or events we've had here they're called East Over, and that's the title I've, I've given for crossing the Jordan is East Over for this parenthetical timeout. And so if you want to go back, it could kind of help you to make sense of what I'm going to do uh, today. Uh-oh. All right. Um, let me see here. So Colossians chapter 3, verse 12. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and dearly loved, holy and dearly loved, you, you have to um, hear this. Uh, this, the Holy Spirit really struck me with this this morning. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with a heart of mercy, kindness, humility, 
gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving one another, even if someone happens to have a complaint against anyone else. Just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also forgive others. Let's pray together. Lord, take this word this morning and transform our hearing and our understanding and help us to take what Paul was writing to the Colossians into our heart and really engage with this material this morning. I pray that you give me the strength of teaching and preaching or so it would minister to everyone on the sound of my voice. In Jesus' name, amen. One of the things that you have to understand here just to start out with is he's saying therefore, and that's always there for a reason. Therefore, as the elect of God. So Paul is talking to believers. In this case, he's not speaking to unbelievers. And as far as I know, everyone on the sound of my voice in this room are the elect, and I can't say for certain. But he says, as the elect, the ones who have been predestined, those of you who have been chosen in him before the foundation of the world, I'm speaking to you. It's really important. This is, this is, this, this therefore is really important that you know that you know that the Father loves you and that you're His. I think, I think this is one of the most important things that could occur in your life because everything in this world is trying to tell you something different. It's trying to convince you that you're nominal, that you have no real purpose, that the life you chose in Christ and in God will not result in anything. Does this just happen to me or does this happen to you? This happens to me every week. I'm a preacher. It's not supposed to happen to me. It happens, I have to war and fight the good fight of faith for the testimony that's been placed into my heart every week. That we, that we would know that we are, uh, div, um, have been divinely chosen by God's own prerogative, by his own sovereign election and design and desire that he chose you. It's really important that you get a hold of this because this is the basis of the gospel. You know you're loved and you've been elected, that you've been chosen by him, that you're wanted and desired by him. Oh, you just scared the living daylights out of the devil and every, I mean, his whole entire horde. Because you're the elect of God. You're the special. <laughs> right, Stephen? That's a little reference back to Lego Movie 1. Emmett. That's how I got Stephen in, back into worship. I, I said, Lord, how do I get Stephen into worship? He said, give him Lego Movie 1. And I said, Lord, you work through tertiary experiences. Yes, I, Primary source document scripture, but 
He's Emmett the special, you know, and I said, yes, he's special. And just what he transmits to us as the special brings you to know that you're the special because he's transmitting, I am desired by him and long by him and he loves me, he delights in me. And hasn't that been a war for you, Stephen? And it's a war for you. See, we fight the good fight of faith to realize that our calling and election is what Peter said, sure. Know of it with a surety, with a hope, with a drawing in. This is the primacy or promisey upon your life in God. Therefore, you, the elect of God, listen now, holy and dearly loved. Now, remember this scripture in Hebrews, I believe it says, without holiness no man shall see what? In my family, living a life of holiness, let's say righteousness and good character, is really important. But also just as important as, Lord, are we living out of a grace-based relationship with you, being made righteous, just as important is to know that you're dearly loved. And and what I want to do this morning is I realize, because the Lord realizes, Paul realizes this, and the Lord's speaking to me this morning, that that if we can lay the foundation, let's say apostolically speaking, in the human heart of election and predestination, that out of that comes the understanding and the receiving of righteousness into your members, or what we call holiness, And the understanding that you're very much loved by him. Do you see what I'm saying? You ever been with somebody and and you know when you come into the room they like you? Like Deborah, like I love you. You know, I always feel this when I see you. I love Deborah. I love all y'all too. I really love Deborah. No, she means the world to me. And when I see her, it's like something lights up inside of me. And you know why? Because I think she, she loves me. I feel her love. And it's just love, friend, love, friend. You know, and you feel this love. There's nothing, there's nothing that excites the desire to do what's right when love is present. When love is there... And when you know that someone would choose to be around you in your weaknesses and your strengths, but they want to be with you. Not that they want to not be with you, but they want to be with you. They want to be with you because they've got the heart of the Father and they have elected you. They've chose you. You know this in real relationships when it hurts people when you know someone don't want to be with you. But when somebody desires in their heart to be with you, they, cho- they kind of chose you. They chose you, you know. I like hanging out with him or her. And that feels really good to the soul. And in the middle of that being chosen is this desire that spins up that says, I'm dearly loved. And righteousness is born in that environment better than duty. 
So if you want to grow faster in your families, if you want to grow faster in yourself, in the Lord, first know you're chosen. Now go do that for others. When you're in the room, don't get familiar with them. Give them your time, your attention. Love them. Be present. This is the parenthetical. This is the time out. When I spend time with you, oh, I love being with you. Oh, Christine, good morning. I like you. You know, I want to hang out. I like you. You see what I mean? Jared, I really like you. I double love you. You know, just this feeling of like, I like to be with you. I choose to be with you. I like you. You're my friend. I want to be your friend. That's the heart of the Father. It's the double love. Anyway, I, I think I was hearing yesterday, it's the ever love. I just kind of phrase came in, in my mind. Oh, it's the ever love. It's the everlasting love of the Father transmitting His love through us to others. And in that way, we begin to grow up in righteousness. So much so that we'll hear Malachi talk about calves leaping out of stalls. What calves leap out of stalls? The little ones. They're so loved, and I've got one, especially my sixth child. Well, he's my seventh. We have one in heaven. My seventh child, Leander. Like, that boy knows he's loved. He's like a little calf in a stall. He, he, he's just loved. I mean, all of them are. We love them all. We love them all. I really do. But I'm just saying, you learn after you raise children for a little bit because you get less tensed up and stuff and you're just like it's gonna be okay right y'all understand especially grandparents in the room well you send them back home though <laughs> because the heart of mercy kindness humility gentleness and patience wore out no i'm just playing <laughs> oh, god's a family man he loves family, and he loves us. Well, and so I want to just deal this morning a little bit with holiness and being dearly loved. Because I, I, I've been going through this for a while, and the Lord's like, won't you break these two things down? Because how do I say this, Lord? We had a great reformation happen. Remember this reformation under Martin Luther? The reformation happened. He knocks the 95 thesis on the Wittenberg door. He challenges the Roman ideology, the Roman church. He, he challenges it by basis of really one phrase, the justification by faith alone. And there's, there's five components to that. But he, he really challenges the mechanism of the church and the presuppositions of the church he challenges the love he challenges the wisdom of god or the wisdom of the church and the way it displayed itself by for, for instance like charging indulgence fees to get your your family members out of purgatory he he was challenging it because he saw that they were trying to fill their coffers to build big more edifices and it wasn't really like what they were saying he, he started to challenge this and he gets down to this thought and i mean 
Now, I can't do Luther complete justice up here. I mean, and I'm not saying Luther was a perfect man, but Luther started to understand something. He, he charges him, and we call it the Reformation. And there was more involved than Luther. Yeah, I think, yeah, Zwingli and um, I'm trying to think of some of the great reformers. But there was a whole reform, Calvin. There was a great reform movement that happened, I believe, there. And that Reformation has been sweeping our culture. And, I mean, for three or what, 400 years. And, and a lot of the church's ideology has been really like around the idea of reformation. And um, now, don't get me wrong, I'm not anti-reformation with what I'm going to say this morning. And I hope that I don't completely just throw everybody off here into a kilter. But sometime the Lord said, you know, to me, and I'm going to say this, it's going to sound terse. If you take notes, take it or listen to this. But he said to me, there's been a movement going west or from, the, from a western mindset that's reformative and it employs a strategy of battle. And that the purpose of this reformation was to bring us essentially to this, that you are justified by faith alone. And there's been a battle inside of humanity's soul to find our justification in all these idolatrous things within the church. That we were justified because we had our name in lights. We were justified because we had this home or this car. We were justified because we looked a certain way. We were justified for our internal qualities and our brilliance of philosophy. We were justified because of our external qualities, which some of them I just said, but I can't. I can't get the million idols out for us right now. But that our justification was in all these things. And in some way, the heart of God's church has been divided. And, and until essentially it gets down to that you're justified by faith alone, it'll always be divided. And that the Lord was seeking for a Davidic move, a heart after him that wasn't divided but was Davidic. And that there's been a battle and a war in the church. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Anybody that's been raised or been around in the church know there's been a war. There was a war in David's day. There was a great war afoot because there was a war inside of man's heart. I mean, we've seen multiple wars. Civil war. I mean, we've seen the world wars. There's a war. Essentially, this is the war... That when you believe in the justification by faith alone, you're basically admitting to something absolute, and that is the sovereignty of God in all things. You're saying that he's in charge of me. And you're saying I'm not justified by anything other than his word over my life. I'm not. He's everything to me. Not Jesus plus something, which equals nothing, by the way. But Jesus, 100% of Jesus plus nothing equals everything. I'm, I'm not, that you're, you're saying in justification by faith alone, I don't want to be justified by anything other than the blood of Jesus Christ. I don't want anything else. And the war has been on. You know it when you're struggling in your family with friends. That there's a war. There's a war inside. And this is what, I'm, what Paul's getting at 
which I'm going to expound with you in Colossians chapter 3, verse 12, about holiness. There's been a war for holiness. And listen, there's been all these ideas on holiness, too, that were, like, harsh. I mean, everybody knows what I'm talking about. If you dress a certain way, look a certain way, do a certain thing like this, you're accepted. No, you're justified by what? Faith alone. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by what? Without faith, it's impossible to please who? You can't please God. Anything that's not faith is what? Thank you. Just think about that. Let the definitions of faith get a hold of you because anything that's not faith is sin. Do you see how important this is? Do you know why there's been a battle headed west for a reformation? Why? Because the Lord has, yes, wanted a reformation in the church, among his people, and it's caused great wars in the church. Many of you have been in this because uh, how many of you have had a conflict with people in the church? Everybody. How many rubbed hard against people in the church? Sometimes your pain is worse with the people in the church than it's been with the people in the world, right? Why? Because the Lord is wanting to clothe us in gentleness and humility and righteousness and meekness and make us like Him. There's been a battle. And it's been strategic warfare in the heavens, the enemy. He's been assaulting from a cosmological perspective. The second heavens have been assaulting the church. Your enemies have been assaulting you. The second heavens have been assaulting you. Your own nature's been assaulting you. But listen, what is God after? He's after your heart. The devil's on a leash, folks. So is all his, all his imps. And they're, he's on a leash. God's sovereign and in control of him, too. He's not like on the same playing field. He's a created being just like we are, but not like us. He's not in charge of you. He has no authority over you except what you give him. And so the Lord has been working this work in the church to reform us and to bring us to a place of holiness, a place of real righteousness, a place of that he imputed in your justification and imparts in your sanctification. Every time you say yes to Jesus by faith, you know what happens to you? There's a transfer. Paul called it the divine nature. The Lord takes out of you through that step of adversity that I mentioned you in the gospel, out of you what's not like him and places into you himself. You're partakers of the divine nature, becoming more and more conformed to his image and likeness. Now what I'm dealing with is the likeness of God. So I want to, I if, if you draw pictures, you know, like this, or you draw a line down the middle, put likeness and image. Likeness is the holiness or the wisdom of God, and image is the beauty of God. In likeness, in likeness, you get God's hand. This is a Western mindset. Think about it. Occidental culture, the Western Hemisphere... It's primarily oriented to God's hand. Are we not into business more and into entrepreneurship and bringing forth wealth? And I mean, look at our nation. 
But listen, that's half of the hemispheres, or that's half of the world. There's another hemisphere. There's, this hemisphere is in your soul. All right. So he says, you're the elect of God, holy and dearly loved. You see, you see, so think about this scripture, having a form of what? But denying what? So it is possible to be reformed. I don't mean just theologically speaking. I mean reformed to a Davidic heart and have a form of God or his likeness and deny God's power. And this is what I want to address. Because God is not just after a reformation, he's into a restoration. We, we got into here the words that, you know, show me. Asheville was originally called Eden Land. He's like, go all the way back into the garden. He's like, I'm going to turn this ministry east. And I said, what? I understand what you're talking about. <laughs> He said to me, he said, going west is based in work. Going east is based in play. I like that. Some of you, you lost your play when you were a kid, right? Some of you, some of you got to play a lot. Some of you didn't. You know what I mean? When you worked really hard from like knee high to a grasshopper and you came up in a works mentality. And the Lord's been bringing us all that out of us and saying you're not justified by your works. You know, Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, for by grace are you saved through faith. It's not of yourself. It's a gift of God. It's not of works, lest any man should have something to boast in. And all the arrogancy of a work-based mentality and a false gospel is being washed out of you and you're coming into a Davidic heart. But in the Davidic heart, listen, listen, because this is what I'm getting excited about. You are dearly loved, you know. It's time. It's time for the great restorative work in the church to begin. That we wouldn't just turn west, west by reformation, but we'd turn east for the great restoration. You know why all these babies are in here with us? You know why. Because we can't deny their generation. We can't deny that there's something about the child engaged in play that's like him. I found this in uh, Proverbs chapter 8, verse, uh, I believe it is 30. And I was beside him as a master craftsman, and I beheld him. I looked up that word master craftsman, and it means master craftsman and a nursing child. And I said, that explains the Holy Spirit to me. He's like a child with, that's 10 million years old. He has this playfulness about him. He waits for you to look at him in the eyes. And when you do and you give him attention, he comes to you. But then he's smarter than you. <laughs> he's more wise than you. You ever had a child, like, say something to you, you're like, what? I mean, where'd you get that from? I, my kids do this. I'm like, he's a, he's a 10 million, I mean, billion-year-old man with a childlike heart. It's called Wisdom. And the Lord in this hour is saying, he's like, I don't want to just get you into humility. Western Reformation. I want to get you into meekness. Eastern Restoration. You Connect the dots. I don't want you just to understand my likeness. I want you to know my image. 
I said, Lord, what happened to Solomon? He said he got my likeness, but he didn't get my image, so he had to have a thousand women. Because he says the wisdom that I gave him, nothing could compare to it. He asked me for wisdom, and I gave it to him. But in this end time, I'm going to give my people both my likeness by reformation and my image by restoration. Paul's saying it right here in Colossians 3.12. That you would know that you're elect and, listen, that you would know that you're dearly loved and holy. You see it now? Holiness as unto likeness, as dearly loved, as unto image. There's a problem. Wait a minute. There's a problem. No man shall look in the face of the Lord and what? David's saying, he said, I want to behold your beauty. I want to behold your face. I I want to just warn you, which you, you guys know you're signing up for it here. You begin to look into the face of God, something has to die. Because we've been characterized by an image and a beauty, maybe that's not the way God views it. Maybe not the way He is. Maybe it's not compared to Hollywood. Maybe God doesn't look on the outward appearance. Maybe He doesn't, but looks on the heart. And a lot of our image is been marred and broken and the Lord is in a great restorative movement right now to bring forth this um, restoration I, I want you to and now you don't have to buy this and this may not be on your list but Stephen and I it took us what 10 weeks 8 to 10 weeks him and I went through C.S. Lewis's A Preface to Paradise Lost Probably one of the most influential books in my life right now that I've ever read, besides God's Word. It, it took us, I mean, we were just like scratching our head, but just enjoying this. And I thought, how fitting, how apropos to a ministry at Edenland that we would get into the preface. What is the preface? It's like, What's before what's written? It's the preface. And and what he's doing in this is he's taking Milton's work, Paradise Lost, and he's um, C.S. Lewis is a literary scholar. He's absolutely brilliant and godly. But he takes Paradise Lost and he basically gets out from under and he just extracts and looks at that thing, and it's unbelievable. But for me, I haven't even read Paradise Lost. I realize that the Lord is saying, I want the preface on what caused man's restorative life to be broken. I, I, I want you to discover what happened in the fall. What was let go of. What happened between man and woman? And how can we walk into a restorative work? And and again, him and I, we spent all these weeks working through this. And I want to just give a little bit of this and then then I'll close. And this will be, we'll get into this. I thought I'd be all into this this week, but there's so much to say. 
I mean, it says this about the Melchizedek order, of whom there is much to say, but you're dull of hearing. I'm not sitting under the sound. Hopefully my voice, what God's saying through me is ministering to you because you're of a new order. You've, you've let up, you're a remnant family and you've let go of this Aaronic order and you're embracing this Melchizedek. And so the dullness of hearing is not befalling you. And you can hear these words and you can say, I connect to what that preacher's saying. It's resonating with me. He says something in the very beginning, the very first qualification for judging any piece of workmanship from a corkscrew to a cathedral is to know what it is and what it's intended to do and how it's meant to be used. After that, it's been discovered the temperance reformer may decide that the corkscrew was made for a bad purpose. And the communist may think the same thing about a cathedral. But such questions must come later. The first thing is to be understood, what is the object that's before you? As long as you think that a corkscrew was meant for opening tins or a cathedral for entertaining tourists, you can say nothing about their real purpose. I mean, Lewis is right into it, right away, that it's possible that through our objectification of things and other people that we have missed the great purpose for which they were created. There's not enough that can be said about this until you have someone talk down to you and it hurts you because they just spoke down to you and you realize they don't understand the purpose for which you've been created. You feel it in yourself, something doesn't resonate and you want to push them off because they're trying to make a corkscrew into a cathedral or a cathedral into a corkscrew. And one of the greatest things that can happen to you and to me is to know the purpose for which we were created. And everything in this world is trying to come against that. The Lord said to me one time, he said, I will not accept a different version of the one that I have made you to be. Hey, do you hear me? I will not accept a different version. And you know this as well as I do because part of your reformation is get you and me to get out of the false idolatry and the, objects, the, the objects and to get them out of our life so we can come into the reality of who we really are. And you know that if you've thought of yourself in one way and the Lord had to break it, how painful that can be. But then how great it is when you come into knowing that you're greatly loved and that you have the character to go along with it. Let's stand together. Cathedrals aren't just made for communism. Corkscrews are not just made to open wine bottles. Listen, I know that might sound profound to you and you might say, I don't understand what you're saying. But I can say this to you from the Lord, that it is very important that you know from Him that you were elected by Him and predestined by Him to be found in Him. I can say this of a surety that the next movement of your heart would be to know that He wants to give you righteousness and make you His dearly loved one. And that out of that, and out of that, you will have gentleness, meekness, and the life of God in you. What did he mean for you to be? 
Maybe not what, but who did he mean for you to be? And maybe not who, but why did he mean you to be? I am. When you connect and tether up to I am, amen. If you go to seek image just in and of itself, it'll leave you bereft. If you seek your creative prowess and whatever you can bring through that image side of life, if you, if you do that and, and try to just seek beauty in and of itself, it'll leave you left high and dry. If you go seek to be, uh, have all the particularities all nailed down, you got every little dot and tittle crossed and you can make it all perfect and you just seek to do that and you become self-righteous and you push everybody away and nobody likes that. But if you know that you've been chosen by him, listen, for a purpose, and you've been called to joy because he delights in you. And you've been called to holiness for, for without which this great restoration can't happen because he calls you to look him in the face, look him in the eyes. Oh, man. And in that moment, you're transformed. In that moment, in that moment, you become more like him. And your image is changed. Glory to glory. Faith to faith. Here a little, there a little. Line upon line. Precept upon precept. More like you. More beautiful like he is. And more wise like he is. More like a child that plays. And someone when we put our hands to work, it's just working out of love. More righteous. Not self-righteous, but because you receive grace to be righteous. Not pushing everybody out because they don't get everything right like you do. No, no, because you're just loved and so you can love. But you come more like him. The great reformation of likeness has been out of history just spinning down to a point, a divine point. And no more the divided heart, but a Davidic heart that turns back looking east and beholds the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Jesus fed to 5,000 and they say it was probably 20,000. What did he do? He looked up. Had no more shame or anything. He just looked up at his father and he blessed him and everybody got fed. He looked into his eyes of his father because he knew he delighted in him. And when he looked into his eyes, he takes care of everything so shall you. By reformation, we learn humility and by restoration, we learn meekness. He said, learn of me for I am meek and lowly of heart. 
Run to me and you'll find rest for your soul. Find rest this morning in the flock of God, in the goodness of the Father. Find rest for your souls. Take your, his yoke, put it on you. For his yoke is easy and his burden is light. He's free. He's a God when he puts his hand to something to work, it just flows from grace. And when he plays, he just has the best time and is not tensed up. (laughs) He dances over you this morning. He looks upon you and he loves you and he delights in you. Be sure of your election. Be sure and confident that you are his. I want both, Lord. I want both your wisdom that's based in your likeness. You raise your hands with me if you like. I want both your wisdom that's based in your likeness. And I want your beauty that's based in your image. I want my soul reformed and restored. I want all that you have to give. I want everything. Because I know you paid for it and that you imputed it to us freely. And we receive from you freely this morning. Freely, we have received, Lord, make us freely give to give. Open up our hands this morning, Lord, that they would be to give to our brothers and sisters. Clothe us this morning. Clothe us in meekness, Lord, in humility. Clothe us in your image and your likeness. And we thank you and we praise you and we glorify you. Let's come together and as a family, come for the body and the blood of the Lord, and we'll take communion together. when 
the fire burn, Lord. Let the fire burn. God, through the brokenness of his body, forming us he took the bread and he broke it he said this is my body which is broken for you do this in remembrance of me faithful witness. He has no compromise. Because he doesn't just leave us broken. Paul said if there was no resurrection, his ministry would be miserable. If, hey, if it was just a death and burial of Christ, we couldn't take it. No, he says there's a resurrection and there's an ascension. There's a restoration of image. He took the book, the cup, and he said, this is the blood of the new covenant, which is poured out for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Well, I, can, I can hear in your heart the thankfulness. The gratefulness and the, to the goodness of God who's ravished your soul. That you love Him. That you've chose Him because He first chose you. And that you love Him. I get to be with the people of God that loves Him. That you love Him and you delight in Him. And He gets to hang out with you every day. That He's God of the mountains and He's God of the valley. He's God in your family life. He's God with your children, your grandchildren, your mom and dad. He's God. 
And may the Lord bless you and may the Lord keep you. And may the Lord make his face shine upon you and give you peace. Amen. Bless you today.